Welcome to the ProfServe Traction Podcast, dedicated to exploring how professional services and technology businesses break through the ceiling. Here's your host, Steve Prada. Welcome, dear listeners. Uh, this is the Professor Fraction Podcast. My name is Steve Fredo, and I have uh, with me here today Kelly Harry, who is a customer experience uh, speaker, consultant, author, and coach. He uh, was the founder and the CEO for 20 years of the Henry Chiropractic Clinic, which was a chain of clinic he developed into a leading organization in its field in America, using a system-based approach, which allowed him uh, to create uh, systems around acquiring and retaining patients, around creating a team atmosphere, um, uh, creating loyalty with patients by solving the problems in a proactive way, and created an ease of convenience of using the service. He um, described his processes in his book titled Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you very much, Steve. I really appreciate it. Great to have you. Great to have you here. So, uh, so Kelly, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you uh, discover customer service, uh, experience and how did you, you know, evolve into being an expert in this field? Great question. I got out of chiropractic school and moved my family to New Mexico, near to where my, my wife grew up. A small community in the southeast corner of New Mexico, and I was I was fortunate enough to buy a practice from a retiring chiropractor. So um, that was great. Anyways, we get to this particular town, and it uh, again small community had a lot of businesses that had been established and been there for many many years, and it became very apparent that a lot of these businesses didn't have. Uh, they just didn't provide very good customer services, to be honest with you. Right. Their their philosophy was more, you know, they could flip on the lights, open the doors, and, you know, they had business. They You had to do business with them because there was no competition. And so it didn't take me very long to figure that out. And I really could not stand the way that they were making me feel. That, you know, at times unwelcomed, not important, like I was an inconvenience. And so I made a I made a decision again very very quickly once I moved to this particular community that my clinics would not be like that. We would value our patients. We would provide great customer service, and that ultimately is what started my path to where I'm at now. And it's just evolved. I've learned. I've grown. I've studied. I've implemented. I've failed on things. I've changed things um, to get me where I'm at now to build my practices up for one thing and then be able to do what I'm doing as far as consulting and coaching and helping businesses to, to thrive like my business was able to thrive because of the foundation of, of great customer service. So, uh, so Kelly, uh, what is the definition of exceptional customer service in your vocabulary? Well, the definition, in my opinion, is a relentless focus on making the customer feel valued or important or special whenever they are in your business or anytime you interact with them. And that's that's every employee, that's every interaction, that's every day. Your focus, single focus is to make that customer feel like they are the, the most important person in the business. So how do you do that? Well, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of ways you, 
that uh, fill in that that piece there. It's training, it's hiring the right people, it's making sure that everybody from the top down is on that same page, having the service mindset. Again, that that singular focus of we are here for the customer, the customer is not here for us. So again, it's just that collective foundation that really puts that into play and, and really makes that what it is. It's not just one singular action, it's a collection of things that are really going to create the perception for the customer that this business really, really appreciates me, values my me being a consumer and a customer for them. And by doing that, that customer is going to say, I'm going to continue to do business with them because they make me feel like I'm important. That's really, that's really cool. So, uh, so what are the, the key principles of that process? So can you give uh, me some examples of what it looks oh, like? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are two vital principles. The, the first one is, Customer perception is everything in customer service. So your business gives a perception, good or bad. Customers are, gonna, are going to get a perception from your business. And so it doesn't matter if the owners, the upper management, the employees, it, it doesn't matter what their perception is. If they think they give great customer service, but the customer doesn't, the customer wins out. They're the ones that write. Or right, so you you have to keep that in mind. The perception by the customer is what drives things. The second principle is, and it goes hand in hand with the first one, is the customer's perception is driven by how you make them feel. Do you make them feel valuable, important, special, like a rock star when they are in your business or dealing with your business, or are they just a number to you? Are you just making a transaction with them? So that perception is driven by how you make them feel. And again, how you make them feel is the key component. You want them to be special. You want them to, or to feel special, to be valuable, to feel important, feel like that rock star. And again, that's where that perception goes up. The customer service is, is being maximized to create more business, to grow the business, to create profits. So, so can you give me some examples how you do that? How you create that thing? How do you, what do you tell your employees? Uh, how should they behave in order to create that rock star feeling in, in the patient, in the customer? Absolutely. There, there, there's some very simple things that you can do that you, you could take from this, this podcast and employ them just immediately. And it takes virtually no training and no money to do it. First thing is everybody in a business should be smiling or at least the frontline employees, the ones that are interacting, and actually the ones on the phone too. If you, are you answering the phone and, and talking to a customer, you should have a smile on your face too, because that tone comes through. But a smile is the universal welcome. It makes people feel, again, valuable. It makes them feel calm, it calms them down. So a smile is just a, it should be a, a piece of the uniform that, a, that an employee puts on every day. As soon as they get to the business, put a smile on their face, so they look like they're ready to help help a, a customer out. So that that's that's an easy one. Just put a smile on your face. Okay, I'm, I'm trying is, to. I'm trying to. <laughs> well, I wasn't speaking to you directly, Steve. So, um, but collectively, put a smile on your face. Not, not only will it make the customer feel better, it'll make the employee feel better. 
because it's hard to be in a bad mood when you're walking around with a smile on your face all day. Uh, the, the second thing is just be friendlier. You know, a lot of businesses have have this idea that they they are friendly. Mm -hmm. And to them, friendly is just because they said hello when the when the customer walked in. Oh, hello. Good to see you. How, you know, how can I help you? Well, a lot of communication is most of communication is not verbal, as we all know. It's it's gestures its tone and those type of things. So being enthusiastic and, and being friendly, those go hand in hand. So you need to be friendly. And friendly is, how are you doing? How can I help you? Acting generally happy that that customer is doing business with you. That's a big part of it. So just, just bring up the friendly quotient. And then the third thing, and then again, this is, this is very simple, but it seems to be going by the wayside. The more... I deal with businesses and clients and, and uh, talk to potential clients using manners and simple phrases such as please and thank you and you're welcome seem to be going, like I said, by the wayside. They're not used as frequently as often as they once were. And they're certainly not used in communication as far as email or texts or chatbots, those type of things. And those, those phrases really, again, show value to the person you're communicating with. And it's such a simple thing to do to add to an end of email or say to a customer when they, they've done something or uh, asked a question, whatever the case may be, please, thank you, you're welcome. Again, it's just adding value to the person you're communicating with. So those are really three very simple things that can, like I said, be implemented almost immediately with very little cost, but can bring that perception for the customer up of the quality and the level of customer service a business provides. So this, this really uh, sounds like uh, common sense principles. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so are you saying that most businesses don't do that? Or well, is statistics, I, I say that, but statistics say that too, to yeah. be honest with you. And why, why don't they do that? I mean, well, yeah, some I'm just wondering. don't don't feel like it it's that important that they that marketing is more important than taking care of customer service or training on customer service or doing these little things and that's my principle of coaching it's let's do these little simple things but do them consistently and see where that takes you and and a lot of businesses just don't do that that's just not on their radar a lot of businesses, too, think they already provide great customer service. And that's a myth that I deal with with a lot of, a lot of business owners. And most businesses do have pieces of good customer service, but as a whole, they really don't. And they don't look for those problem areas, the bottlenecks, those issues that they, they have that are, are upsetting customers or the customers are, are not happy with. And they don't talk to their customers and they don't get that information. And so consequently they lose customers. And when you lose customers, obviously you lose profits. So those two things right there are, are a big piece of why, again, it's common sense, but there, there's some myths, there's some misunderstanding, there's some delusions there that businesses don't necessarily move forward with, with improving their customer service. So what do they misunderstand? What are those common misunderstandings that you feel like preventing uh, businesses from? Well, like I said, a lot of businesses have 
have the thought that they provide great customer service already. There's a there's a famous, or I shouldn't say famous, but there's a study that was done by Bain and Company. Mm-hmm. And they they surveyed almost 400 businesses in the United States, uh, all kinds of businesses across the board. And when they surveyed these businesses, 80% of the businesses, their owners or managers said, yes, we provide superior customer service. When this Bain & Company went back and surveyed the customers of these same businesses, of this nearly 400 businesses, only 8% of the customers said that these companies provide superior customer service. So obviously that's a big gap. Going back to my principle there is the customer perception is everything. But some businesses just don't don't grasp onto that and don't look at that, that you know, there's that huge gap in what they actually, the customer perceives that, hey, this is not the best customer service here. And they live on the delusion of, yeah, we do provide great customer service. There's nothing we need to do about it. Let's just keep, you know, let's keep clogging along like we always have. Is this because it's hard to measure uh, customer service or is it because it's seen as a soft uh, skill that is perhaps less exact, less less interesting or le- feel like it's like less professional in nature? Um, I, I, I think yes, all that, although it's not that hard to to measure. And really the, the only three metrics that I were not required to request and, and recommend my my clients use is patient or patient or customer satisfaction surveys. And basically you just ask them, rate our customer service on a scale of one to 10. And if it's less than an eight, then you need to talk to that customer and see where, where you're missing the boat. And they'll show you exactly what needs to be done. Second survey is an employee satisfaction survey. If your employees aren't satisfied, if your employees don't feel valued, it is impossible for them to turn around and to provide great service. So that's actually even more important than the customer satisfaction. So you need to make sure you're treating your employees as good, if not better than the customers. And then the third metric is just cash flow and profit. Mm-hmm. You, when you start working on these things and you, you start building loyalty with customers and keeping more in and they're referring, you're gonna sell more, Profits should rise, cash flow should increase. So that's a that's a pretty easy metric to to follow and to uh, measure. Yeah, well, definitely the cash flow and this this internally generated um, happiness. I mean, some companies have this as their value. Um, one of my former clients who runs the Richmond division of uh, of a construction company, their uh, value, customer value, is happiness, like Disney happiness and they really put great focus on their own employees happiness um, their customers happiness obviously as well but they have all these events they you know they, they build they, they create team cohesion and then when people feel happy inside the company then they're going to project that feeling out to the customers and the customers it's going to rub off on customers as well absolutely yeah absolutely you can't stop it from happening so my my business mission statement and what I try to have my clients all adopt as their mission statements is be the best part of the customer's day. Be the best part of the customer's day. Make sure that when that customer is interacting with you, that they can leave your business 
And that will ripple out because you've made them feel better. You've made them happier. You've made them, you know, you've made them more positive. And as they leave there, that's going to ripple out to the people they interact with. So again, it goes, it goes above and beyond just transactional and relationships in that particular business. You're actually affecting people outside the business really one way or the other. So if you, it's credit service, again, you're, you're leaving the negative out there for customers to, to ripple out that effect. Or are you providing that great service where you're, you're making people feel valuable? And again, that's going to ripple out in a little different way. So, so what are the companies that are doing well in this arena? Can you give, give us some example of, of companies that really provide outstanding customer service experience? Absolutely. There, there's some huge companies. Some of the biggest companies in the world were built on the foundation of great customer service. Everybody knows Disney. If you've been to Disney World or Disneyland, you, know, you can see how they, how they work and you feel pretty valuable. You know, there's, there's a reason it's called the happiest place on earth. And that's that's their philosophy. So Disney's one of them. Amazon was built on the, the foundation of customer service and convenience. And, and I'm sure we're all most everybody listening here has been touched by that. Apple. Apple's another one built on great customer service and how they run and how their stores are uh, put together. And then Southwest Airlines is another another example of uh, great customer service and being built on the foundation of customer service. And they're. I may not be totally correct in this statistic, but as far as I know right now, they're the only airline, at least in the United States, that actually turns a profit every year compared to the other airlines. So if you find other airlines and compare them to Southwest, there's a big difference in the customer service generally. Yeah, and, and I just read an article the other day that they are picking up routes from other airlines that are suffering the pandemic and Absolutely. they are actually in investment mode, yeah. uh, which is pretty uh, amazing. And it can be the difference between, you know, I hate what's going on right now. And a lot of businesses have had to close down or, you know, obviously had to back off. And, it, and customer service and providing good customer service can be the difference between surviving and, and or thriving. Not only now, but when things open back up. So it, it can be that, that powerful for a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So what is a common mistake that you see that businesses um, commit when they are trying to improve their customer service? They, they use it or look at it as a, a new shiny object, mm-hmm. as kind of a flavor of the month club. You know, yeah, that sounds good. We, we should implement that. Let's, let's put a couple of pieces in play and, and see what happens when really it needs to be a foundation principle that needs to be there, needs to be trained on, needs to be worked on and taken care of on a daily basis to perpetuate forward. That, that's the key component. The other mistake I see is it, it doesn't come from the top down. Mm-hmm. The owners, the upper managers say, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's just train the staff. But the upper level really never grasped the idea and it's gotta come from the top down. So. In my coaching and consulting, I want to I want to train the trainers. So we want to we want to work from the top down, make sure they're on top of things, make sure they have grasped the idea, make sure they're completely on board with the philosophy and the foundation, and then they in turn can train those below them, and again really establish that foundation. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a very similar philosophy to what we are doing uh, with EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. 
you also have this idea that you don't want to enable companies. You want to kind of teach them how to fish, right? So you go exactly. to the leadership team and make sure that they fully bought into the principles, that they have mastered the main concepts of the system. And then you help them, you basically coach them so that they can roll it out to the rest of the organization, but you don't actually do it yourself because it means that they might just be enabled with this whole thing and they don't own it. And then the staff is obviously not going to follow them if they are exactly. not. And, and, you know, they're back to square one eventually or very quickly. So and that's ultimately what you don't want. So. Now you have a discredited concept. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. It sounds a little bit exhausting. So the way you explain it, that it, the leadership has to be fully involved and it has to be done constantly and it requires a lot of training and, and coaching. So how can a company, a private business owner, wrap their minds around it? Okay, I take on this process. It's not going to be an overwhelming burden for me and it's going to be somehow contained so that I can I can keep keep on top of it uh, relatively uh, practically, and, and that's a great question. Like I mentioned before, I take simple actions, simple ideas, simple principles that will create major results. So it does seem overwhelming, but it's it's really the simple stuff. And the the main thing is to commit to consistency. You know, that's really anything in life. If you're consistent with it. You're, you're going to get better at it is what it amounts to. Um, but again, you have to you have to be consistent and you have to be committed to it. My program, I call it the 5% bump program or consulting program. The 5% program or the 5% principle is based off a study from Harvard Business School. And what they did was they they found that if you can increase customer retention just by 5%, Alrighty, so just a 5% increase in customer retention can lead to 25 to 95% increase in profits. And so that, that's pretty powerful. So what I've done is I've looked at and, and studied what are the main things that a customer wants from business. And I've identified those. And so it, it's, it's the 80-20 rule. So let's just focus on these four key areas that a business, if they'll improve them, will create the best and, and greatest impact, the 80% of the impact. And so that's where we, we can keep it from being so overwhelming. We can narrow it down, take these simple concepts, put them into play and see some phenomenal results because of it. So, so what does your process look like? Do you have like a, a proven process that you can describe what the steps take and how a company goes from being mediocre in customer service, customer experience to being in the top 10% in like your firm was. Do you have a process that you can describe what the company goes through and what, how long does it take and what does it look like? It really doesn't take that long. Uh, most of my coaching is, or in consulting, is really only working five to six months with the business. And again, it's not implementing, implementing a ton of stuff. It's implementing simple concepts, philosophies, foundational principles, and then moving forward. What I do in my process is I audit a business when I'm hired, and we're going to look at their strengths and certain their weaknesses, mainly their weaknesses. 
And then we're going to prioritize those weaknesses and the areas that we can get the greatest results and the greatest impact. That's what we're going to focus on first. And then we'll just work down through that list. And then we can look at the business as a whole where they can, because each business is different. Each business is unique. So we can look at the unique aspects of a business and tweak and do some different things to add the wow factor to, again, create that, that extra added oomph to jump that perception up. Uh, but the main principle is let's look at these areas that I've identified. Where are they weak at? Let's let's shore them up, shore them up, so we can create the 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 greatest benefit the quickest. So that's kind of implementing it. And then what about maintaining it? Do you have a process to maintain so that these companies don't fall back into bad behavior? I do. They they can self-maintain, and there's a little bit of a process for that. Or you like any any good business, generally you keep a coach and you help maintain through that. So uh, have somebody from the outside look at it and see where we're missing the boat, see where the numbers are dying off, seeing where certain things may be missed. And I, I in my chiropractic world, that's something that I valued. I'd go to a seminar, talk to my coach, you know, every six months or every three months or so. And sure enough, there was, I missed you know, I forgot this and this fell through the cracks and, and I, you know, stopped doing this for whatever reason. So come back in, talk about those areas, let's shore, shore those areas back up and keep moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely, um, you really, really have to focus on, on maintaining. It's not about just the implement, but you have to keep, uh, keep the cadence uh, uh, that they do this and it becomes a habit. And even with habits, we can forget them, right? Sometimes. Exactly. Like I said, those, you know, this piece falls through the crack and this piece falls through the crack and you have to, you have to be reminded of it. What's exciting though, is you, as you start seeing the, the benefits, you know, the increased profit, the increased retention, the increased referrals, you know, I think it's exciting. And that tends to make you want to continue to maintain it and, and keep the momentum going. So it's not so easy when you're not seeing the results, but when you see the results and you see what, what has happened, Hey, let's, we don't want to let this go. Let's continue to maintain it and do whatever we whatever we can to not only maintain it, but continue to grow it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Kelly, let's switch gears here and let's uh, take a bigger kind of a, a bird's eye view of your business that you built for 20 years. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the concepts that you used into growing this business? We, you know, I sometimes call these management blueprints or business frameworks. Uh, examples could obviously be the entrepreneurial operating system, but it could also be something what I did when I was running my uh, consulting firm and we were part of a global network. I traveled to different countries where the most successful firms were and I interviewed their partners and I made copious notes and then tried to implement all those pieces in my business to have a better framework. So I wonder what is your experience uh, and how you, uh, what was your approach to building your business? <laughs> you, you just described it actually. So the, the biggest principle was, is having the service mindset and, and the foundation of customer service. That, that was obviously a big piece and we've already talked about it. But outside that, just like you, you mentioned for your business, I had many coaches and consultants that I worked with. And I, I started with one, they helped me put in a, a framework to grow my business. 
And then I actually outgrew that particular consultant and, and coaching firm. So I found another one that could help me continue to move on, use them, kind of outgrew them, moved to another one. And then after using them for several years, collectively, I took the pieces that were more comfortable to me, the pieces that I really utilized the most, put together my own framework. And that ultimately is what I'm coaching and consulting and, and using at this point. But I use those those pieces from the, the foundation of the coaching and consulting that I utilize through the years. So you, you wrote on your LinkedIn profile, which was really interesting, uh, about these four areas which you worked on in your business to, to make it more uh, better, uh, more, more customer friendly or more uh, productive, more, um, more successful, more profitable. And could you give, uh, give us an example of each of the areas, one tool or one approach that you implemented? So for example, we talked about uh, acquiring and retaining uh, patients. So beyond uh, what you already described, was there anything else that you did uh, specifically for the acquisition of, of patients? Well, the, the four areas are, and this, this is really the framework of my 5% bump program, but the four areas are developing and having a team atmosphere with your employees. And we, we talked about that. that. That's the key component. That really has to be done. If that's not done, you, you can have minimal success with implementing some of the customer service principles, but it will not be near as effective. So that, that's got to be job number one. So how, how do you do that? Give, give, me, give me an example of, of strengthening the team atmosphere. Well, it's it, again, it's making your team, your, your employees feel valuable. And let me give you a story of where I was for, for several years in my practice and what, what my philosophy of my employees were. I had the mindset that an employee was a liability. <laughs> and my job was to continually find where they were messing up and correct them and make sure they did their job right. And that, that's the complete wrong attitude to have. And, and finally, through my coaching, the coaches that I had, you know, they finally said, listen, you've got to have a different attitude. You can't have that, that attitude of your employees or liability. You need to change and think of your um, employees as an asset and start looking for the good they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge piece for me. And I would suspect it could be a huge piece for a lot of uh, employers Start looking at them as assets and seeing the good, because those employees are doing way more good than they are bad. And make sure you're complimenting them on it. Make sure you're recognizing them for the good they're doing, making sure you're seeing that and, and continually uh, pouring out that information to them. Let them know they're doing great and that they are an asset and just build that team up that way. And that creates loyalty with those employees to you and to your business. And also in turn, they, they want to continue to provide great service and, and serve those customers like you would want them to. But again, that was a huge mindset shift for me that made a world of difference. So that's, that's a key component right there. Okay. What about the uh, customer acquisition piece? Well, again, when you get this customer service rolling, customer service is the new advertising. And so when you implement and you start retaining more customers and they feel valued and they feel important and they have loyalty to your business, they're going to want others to come in and be valued and feel important. So they're going to tell their friends, they're going to tell their families, they're going to tell their acquaintances, hey, 
go do business over here. They, they treat you like a rock star. And so that, that becomes the, the acquisition part of it. Now you still need to market, but the beauty of it, and like I, like I mentioned on the 5% bump, you increase your profits by 25 to 90% because again, you get more customers in, you keep those customers, they keep referring, and then you don't have to do as much marketing because you have this giant referral source. And one of my, my favorite quotes is, marketing is the price you pay for bad customer service. So as your customer service improves, acquisition improves, you don't have to do as much marketing. I like Another that. aspect too, though, is when you are acquiring new customers, they are, um, again, they're, they're your mouthpiece and they are your marketing piece, um, but they, they also are going to uh, perpetuate making your employees happy as they're seeing the increase in customers. So it's, 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 it's a vicious cycle going in the right direction for you. Yeah, virtual cycle. The other, the other way. Yeah. And what about, that's really cool. Uh, what about the ease of convenience? You also talk about ease of convenience. So how can you improve that? that well, they, that, a lot of that has to do with the business type and the uniqueness of the business. But we live in a society where we want everything now. We want everything then, actually, we, but it, it's always now. Microwave society. And so the more convenient you make your business for your customers, the more they are going to enjoy that. And that pay or patients, customers will pay for convenience. They'll pay extra for convenience. That's how important that can be. So how can it how can you be more convenient as a chiropractor? Is it about the instant access or is it, um, I don't know, is it the, the office that uh, I can do some work while I wait, I wait? What is it? Well, it's, it's limiting wait times is, is the, the biggest component. The two things that really improved my perception or patient's perception of my business was decreasing wait times. You know, because some patients I needed to see more often. So if they had to wait 20, 30 minutes and they were in my office for an hour, seven days a week, that's pretty tough. Even if they, you know, are in dire need of my treatment. But if we can make it where they, they waited less than five minutes and they were out of my office in 15, 20 minutes, they can get on with their life and still get great quality care. So that helped tremendously. The other aspect of, of it was having, having it open to take in new patients whenever I could where if a new patient called in, they could get in that same day. And they appreciated that. They're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And, and they would come to my office. And I've, de I've dealt with chiropractors and, and physical therapists. I'm in the medical realm where they both those aspects are terrible. They're, they're making their patients wait for 20, 30, 45 minutes. And then you know they're several days out to weeks out for a new patient to get in. Now, if your reputation is so good and your service is so great, sometimes you can get away with that. But the vast majority of, of those in the medical realm, particularly chiropractors and physical therapists, that's no good. Yeah. Those patients will go find somewhere else to, to, to uh, find that, that service somewhere else yeah. because they, they won't put up with that. Of course. Okay, and, and the final one, the fourth one was this idea of the problem handling. So how do yes. you uh, handle problems? Well, first of all, handling a problem can be a huge, huge benefit when you do it in the, the proper way. 
because if, if you'll take care of a problem in a way that satisfies the customer, uh, really even more than satisfies them, you go above and beyond that particular customer, patient, client, they will be, their level of loyalty will be greater than just the, the average customer. Yep. So if you do that right, again, th those are your next level of customers. Those are the ones that are really going to tell their friends and family and be a huge advocate for a business. So that's why it's important. Now, I'm not saying you should purposely cause problems so you can, you know, take care of the problem in the right way. That's Perfect not risk. I, I, yeah. yeah, don't do that. But have a formula in place so you can take care of it in a way that, yeah, you're going to you're going to make these people, these patients, these clients, these customers really happy. Main thing is the first principle is just do it immediately. And it, it, actually, if you can handle a problem, if you can if you can communicate a problem to a customer before they know that was a problem, that, that will blow their mind. You know, that like, my goodness, I didn't realize that was an issue. Um, an example for me that one of my favorite restaurants, we had, uh, was with my family, we had ordered, we were just sitting around talking, waiting for our meal to come out. All of a sudden the manager shows up. She says, Hey, listen, you, you ordered over 20 minutes ago. Our, our rule here in this business and this restaurant is if, if your food's not on your table in 20 minutes or less, you get two desserts for free. And we were just blown away by that. Um, so again, if you can recognize a problem before the customer knows that that's pretty huge that that that's a big thing but you if you can't do that then make sure you're acknowledging a problem immediately and and showing that you're trying to take care of it immediately that's the biggest component because you can go through the other pieces but if you're not if you don't if the customer doesn't perceive you're trying to take care of this problem as quickly as possible then you you might as well quit because they're they're out they, yeah. they won't feel you like you're, you're trying to help them. That's true. Another way is to make sure you're satisfying the customer. Some, you know, and ask them, how, how will this make you happy? You know, what can I do to, to make this right? And the vast majority of customers, they'll, they'll give you a reasonable request. You know, there'll be a few that would try to try to get, you know, everything they can from you. But the vast majority, they're going to want to just just be satisfied. So make sure you do that in, in a little bit more. Another piece is to apologize. Apologize. Put pride behind you and apologize. Hey, we're sorry for dropping the ball. We're sorry for messing this up. We are going to make it right. How can we do that for you? And just acknowledge that, that, that issue and apologize for it. It's okay to even apologize if it happens to be the customer's fault that there's a problem too. Now, you don't have to lie and, and take it upon yourself and say, oh, you know, hey, we're sorry for messing this up. You can say, hey, I am so sorry this is happening to you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this and having to deal with this. How can we make this right? How, let's get this fixed for you. And that, that is such a psychological positive for yeah. the customer. Medium puts them at ease. Medium, again, makes them feel immediately like you're valuing them and making them feel important. And then you can move forward from there. Yeah. I definitely had experiences where I screwed up with a customer and it created an opportunity to demonstrate in a dramatic fashion that uh, I go out of my way to, to correct things. And it actually left a positive uh, impression at the end. It was a net positive for me in this relationship with the customer. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, so that's really cool. So uh, we are getting close to, uh, close to the end of the show. Uh, let me ask you, if you look back, let's say 20 years, and you were going to be coaching your 
I don't know, your 30 year old self or 25 or whatever. I don't know how old you are. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty good. I'm all right. I'm I'm 49, so you, you hit it pretty good. 49, so. okay. That's pretty much 29, uh, 30. So what would be the most important thing that you would share with them that you know now, but you didn't know that? Quit feeling uh, fear and failure. And, and one of my favorite quotes, and I, I didn't learn this till, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago, but there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. Mm-hmm. So quit being so timid that way. Just move forward. I also love the quote or the idea of ready, fire, aim. Mm-hmm. You know, quit waiting until everything is supposedly perfect to move forward or to, you know, to put in a new idea or implement this or take this action. Just do it and then course correct. You know, take the action and course correct. Now, there's some decisions, yeah, you need to take more time to, to analyze and, and make sure you're making, you know, making the right choice for long-term ramifications. But the majority of our decisions are not, not that critical. So we can move forward. So just, just don't fear those. Don't fear that change. Don't feel that fear, failure. Just move forward and continue to uh, correct as you go. That's, that's the biggest thing. I was so timid and just, I don't know, and wishy-washy to some degree. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was able to achieve a lot and had a lot of success, but I know I could have even done more if I just wouldn't have been so timid and, and not feared failure and not worried about it. You know, anybody or anything, what they thought or, or what was going to happen, just move forward and, and uh, keep, keep pushing towards my goals and dreams a lot quicker. Yeah. So definitely the old trial and error is basically entrepreneurial function, isn't it? Uh, it is. People it is, so. are willing to try uh, trial and error and uh, go forward. And as long as you don't make such a huge mistake that you take yourself out of the game, because that's obviously uh, the barrier. Uh, don't uh, get yourself in a position where you have to take a job because you're out of cash. As long as you avoid it and you manage your risk, uh, the upside takes care of itself. I think that's true. For Warren Buffett. Likes but, but even in those scenarios, if and, and this is something that I've had in me since day one, since I started my business way back in, in 1998, is it wasn't a question of if I was going to be successful, it was always win. So even if you make a, you know, a fatal decision, so to speak, and have to take a job because you're running a cash, just keep pushing. Yeah, you took a wrong turn. Yeah, it's a little painful. Yeah, you may have, you know, it's going to take longer. You're going to have to do something different. But you can still course correct from that and, and, and continue to move forward. And again, you still achieve your goals and dreams. And it's it's never in the manner that you thought it would be anyway. So it's always twists and turns in the entrepreneurial journey, ups and downs, sideways, back and forth. So you just got to stay focused on where you want to go, what you want to do, and have that attitude of it's not if, it's it's when, and keep pushing towards that. Okay, that's a, that's a great uh, great way to finish this 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 discussion. So, for those of you that would like to learn more about your process uh, of customer experience, customer service, or where can they learn more? Obviously, you have your book, Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. Exactly. Uh, oh, awesome! Is it available on Amazon? It, it it will be actually. It's being launched on January 11th. So that's oh. just the pre copy, but oh. uh, yeah, January 11th to be able to to get off my website and on Amazon. Okay, awesome. So definitely, is it available for pre-order? It, it isn't yet, so. Yeah, okay. All right, so make a note in your calendars, uh, January 11th, um, and go on Kelly Henry's website. 
can you share your website with our yes, listeners? Yes, it's, it's drkellyhenry.com. Okay. Pretty, pretty simple there. Learn more about my philosophy and, and what I'm trying to, to help businesses with. I'm, I'm trying to help businesses. I'm helping to serve those businesses so they can serve their customers better and grow and, and see the success that I've seen. That's, that's my ultimate philosophy and goal with this, uh, my consulting. That's awesome. And maybe people can sign up for your, you know, for your book on the website or something. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll have that link here fairly shortly. Okay. Um, so I also have a, a link to a strategy call that is free of charge. We can talk about your business, where I might fit in to help you grow and, and, and really maximize the, the profits and growth in that business. You can also email me actually at drkell at drkellyhenry.com. If you have questions and, and would like to, uh, to learn more, communicate with me, I'd be more than happy to e uh, go through email as well. So uh, I just, I'm just open to talk and, and help businesses grow and, and thrive. Okay, awesome. It's all going to be in the show notes. So thank you, uh, Dr. Kelly Henry, author of Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. Uh, great to have had you on the show and have a great uh, Thanksgiving. You too, Steve. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. This was the ProfServe Traction Podcast with Steve Prada. To learn how your professional services or technology business could break through the ceiling with EOS, visit tractionequity.com.